Welcome back to a Mavs Outsider Podcast with your host, Dustin, doing post-game pod for basically the last two games. I didn't do a pod after the Toronto game. Um, it was a very frustrating game, and I'll I'll spend a brief moment on that, plus um, the Clipper game, which was a win. The Toronto game was a loss, obviously. The Clipper game was a win. Um, we'll talk about those games. The um, I do have a... Um, hot sports opinion, not really hot, about the, the in-season tournament, and then just a couple of the other teams that I have viewed over this past week or a few days, and my observation on those teams, um, mostly because those teams will be basically competing with Dallas in the you know Western Conference um, as far as standings and stuff like that, playoffs, future playoff matchups, stuff like that, but one thing I do want to start with briefly is the Toronto game. Um, one of the things that frustrated me about the Toronto game, it was a loss, was obviously the points in the paint were a problem, right? Um, Derek Lively didn't play. He was sick, unfortunately. Um, I wish there was some way I could have given him some sort of blood transfusion because Dallas really needs him in all these games. Um, it was really frustrating because... Kid went back to basically the lineups they played last year that just didn't work. And, you know, when the end of the year came and Dallas traded for Kyrie and they were losing all these basketball games, the narrative was, oh, Luka and Kyrie can't play together. And that's just not true, right? And while it wasn't the exact exactly the smoothest um, games with those guys, it was almost like a your turn, my turn type dis situation. The reason they were losing ball games last year wasn't because Luka and Kyrie couldn't play together. It was because they had no inside presence. And the fact that, you know, they went out and they got lively. They they traded for Rashawn Holmes, but I think mostly that was just to get the OMAX draft pick, right? And they took on um, Holmes' contract. But you do have another center, right? That's there, and while you know maybe he's not the greatest, he did get some playing time. Um, I believe in the first half of that game, and he didn't. There was nothing that he did to like for me that really looked like he was struggling or you know like not playing well or whatever, and. Let's see, he played seven minutes, and he was a plus one. Um, not that that really means anything, right? Plus minus is, you know, Derek Jones was a, a plus 11 in that game. You know, the big one was sort of Josh Green and Tim Hardaway Jr. One of the, and of course, Dwight Powell was a minus 10. One of the biggest problems with that is, you know, Pirtle and Siakam and OG Ananobi and Scotty Barnes. These are all big, I guess, but not necessarily Pirtle, but, you know, these are big wings, right? And you can't defend them with Josh Green and Tim Hardaway Jr. And, you know, Grant Williams, I understand. You know, Grant Williams wasn't bad. But when Grant Williams is playing, like, center, and you're putting Siakam on Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway uh, Jr. was defending Siakam. He, he doesn't care, right? It's like he's going to just back him down like he did. And 
it was it was a layup line, right? It was a, it was a layup line in the in the paint, and and this idea that you know you can't play because Holmes's playing time was in the first half. He didn't get it banned there the second half. The first half the game was close, right? The game didn't get out of hand till the second half, and just this absolute refusal to play him, and you know Maxi played. He was a minus seven. It's it's just. This whole idea that you just can't play Rashawn Holmes is, to me, ignorant, right? I, I know there are people that like Powell. I know Powell will have his moments, but Powell is not a starting center in this league. He's just not. He is not. There is nothing that you could show me. There's nothing that exists that you can show me that says he is, right? I understand he has his moments, but he's, he just can't defend the paint. He he can't block a shot. He is not a good rebounder. And it's very frustrating to watch this game, that Toronto game, and see the same five guys we had on this team last year that could not compete in crunch time be out there on the floor in a moment when you need to get a stop and get some points on the other end. And it just didn't happen. They didn't get the stops because they – you were playing lineups with Luca, Kyrie, Hardaway, Green, and Powell. Those lineups didn't work last year, and I didn't understand why they were out there this year. And to me, that that to me says that you didn't watch last year. You didn't learn anything from last year. Your assumption was is we just had a bad year. Well, no, it's because these teams are bigger. These players are bigger, and you can't put Tim Hardaway Jr. on Siakam. You just can't. And until I feel like Jason Kidd figures that out, if he never figures it out, this team will never accomplish anything. They'll make it to the playoffs, yeah. And they'll win a round or two. But they're never going to accomplish anything because he just reverts to the same mistakes that he's made over his entire coaching career. You know, that's one of the reasons why Milwaukee never progressed under Jason Kidd. You know, they were more likely to regress. They did regress. They made the playoffs in his first year. They missed it his second year. Ironically, they make the playoffs in Dallas's first year, and they missed the second year. Milwaukee never progressed with Jason Kidd. It wasn't until Bud took over that coaching job did Dallas did Milwaukee do anything. And they won a title. So it's just it's frustrating to see the same mistakes being made over and over and over. Now against the Clippers. Now the Clippers are a team that's struggling right now. They made an awful trade which nobody understands where they traded for um, Harden. James Harden, everybody knows who he is. Um, he the plus minuses on the Clippers is kind of funny when you look at it. <laughs> Russell Westbrook was a minus 26. Norman Powell is a minus 35. P.J. Tucker is a minus 20. Um, you know, James Harden is not the guy he was five, eight years ago. He's just not that player. Um, the only thing the Clippers can, I guess... The problem is they gave up draft picks. They should have never given up the draft picks. But one thing they did get was an expiring contract. You know, their two big deals 
will be basically Kawhi and Paul George because Harden will be a free agent. You know, Westbrook's free Westbrook's contract is gone. He's on a small deal. I guess Zubox has somewhat of a bigger, not like a big, but he he's paid a little more. Powell's Norman Powell's played a little bit more. But I think with Harden off the books, it gives you a little more flexibility this offseason to maybe go out and sign some players that can help you. And unfortunately, you're a Clippers team that's playing for next year again. Um, so I don't know. I'm not going to spend too much time on them. But the Mavericks came out and they took care of business. Lively did get to play. You know, he only scored six points, but he was a plus 15. Um, you know, he only had four rebounds. But one of the things, if you watch Lively, is while he may not get the rebound, he prevents Zubots from getting the rebound. Zubots doesn't dominate the paint when Lively's in the ball game. And it's just, it, when you watch this team with Lively and without, it's completely night and day, even in this ball game, even in this game. You know, Lucas scored 44. He only missed four shots altogether. Luca had one of those games where if he would have played more minutes, he only played 31 minutes. If he would have played four minutes, if this were a closer game, I don't know how many points he would have scored. He might have scored 60. But he didn't have to play more minutes, so it worked out. Kyrie also had a really good game. His shooting is coming back. He had 27 points. Um, Dirk Jones had a really good game. He was the highest in plus-minus. You know, when you look at that, he was a 36. And you can tell he's starting to fit in. He had 10 rebounds. He led the team in rebounds. He had three assists and three steals. But you can tell Derek Jones Jr. is getting more comfortable with these players. Um, the first few games were rough. And, look, I'll be the first to say that I was ready to sort of give up on him. And I, I was... Obviously, stupid for that because these are new players. You've got to give them time to sort of acclimate with their new teams. You just don't acclimate in a game or two. I, I know better. I don't know why I was so eager to move on. But um, he's been playing really well. And one guy, Grant Williams, he actually didn't do much offensively. He only played 15 minutes. I do think he got in a little bit of foul trouble, which – made him go to the bench earlier than normal. But uh, it wasn't one of his better games. Um, I, it would have been nice to, like for me, I like to leave a guy in until he fouls out if he does get in foul trouble. Just let him, you know, instead of just sitting him and playing somebody else who may not be as good, put him back in until he fouls out. That's just how I am. It's probably, nobody, I'd probably get zero people agree with me on that, but that's just how I am. You know, I like that Lively came in and played till he fouled out. Um, Lively, unfortunately, he's getting rookie whistles at this point. It's frustrating. Uh, there's so many plays he's getting called fouled on that not a lot of guys get called fouled on. And it's very frustrating to watch. I know it's frustrating for him. And it's and you can tell that his teammates are feeling for him because they know that these are whistles that other guys aren't getting. Only him. And... You just you have to work through it, and I think he's done a good job working through it. Like I said, he had a I thought he had a fantastic game, and this this team doesn't do what they do without him. Um, when the Clippers made their run, and they same they made somewhat of a run, 
it was after he went out. It was when, it was, ironically, it was when the Clippers took out their players and Dallas put in their bench players because they put Dwight Powell in at center. And those guys for the Clippers, they started attacking the paint. This Debate guy, he had 11 points. He was four for six. He didn't shoot three-pointers. Um, you know, Terrence Mann took eight shots. Only three of those were three-pointers. You know, Russell Westbrook, he doesn't, he doesn't shoot threes. He shot one three-pointer. He took 11 shots. So these are guys that attack the paint. Coffee, he attacked the paint. He was two for six. Two of those were three-pointers. This Kobe Brown guy, he attacked the paint. He only took one three-pointer and he made it. And that was the biggest reason for the comeback. And I'm not here to like blame Dwight Powell for whatever. I'm just saying you can tell the difference in this team when Lively's on the floor and Powell's on the floor. And that's why I don't understand why Holmes doesn't get more minutes. And that's if, you know, I'm not here to complain about a 7-2 and two team at all. I think the fact that they're 7-2 is awesome. But one thing that has annoyed me with this team is this love for playing Dwight Powell at center. Play him at power forward and play him next to Rashawn Holmes. Stop playing him at center. He's not a center. And it's it's annoying. It's so annoying. Because, like I said, it's a layup drill. And it just it, it doesn't do anything for this team. As a matter of fact, the Mavs had to go back to some of their starters because this bench for the Clippers was coming back. And they were making the game interesting with too much time on the clock. And Dallas wasn't scoring. You know, Jaden Hardy, he did score 11, but he struggled a bit out there. And he was a minus eight. Josh, Josh Green, bless his heart, he's having a rough, rough time at the moment. Hopefully it's something he can work out. Um... I know he was a minus 15. Obviously, and I say this, plus minus isn't everything, but sometimes you can tell when a guy is a minus, right? And you can tell when a guy is a plus, just based on what's happening on the floor. Omax got his first point. He got a free throw. Um, he was a minus 13. You could see, you know, it was nice to see him out there defending Kawhi. Um, he obviously got called for James Harden. I knew he was going to bait him in the step back. And I knew Omax was going to go for it. And I knew there was going to be a foul. I said it. He's going to bait him into a step back. And Omax is going to think he can block it. And he's going to foul him. And he's going to get the free th three free throws. And then the exact same thing. The exact thing happened. And he's just got to know that when you're defending James Harden, he's going to elaborate everything. And the officials are going to give him that call. So you just have to stand in front of Harden, put your hands up, don't move, and let him shoot it. If he makes it, he makes it. But don't give him those free throws. And Omax has to know that. Um, one of the things I do like about Omax is the way he attacks the offensive glass. He might not get the rebound, but one of the things that, one of the causes or effects of him attacking the offensive glass is you make the other team have to secure the rebound. And when you have to stop and secure the rebound, you don't get a fast break. And I, I think things like that are overlooked. It's even, you know, Lively's really good at that. Lively's really good at challenging for a rebound to the point where the other team might get the rebound, 
but they can't get out and run because that rebound has to be secured because Lively's going after it. And like I said, stuff like that doesn't get on a stat sheet because you're not getting the rebound. And, I mean, fast break points happen, but you don't know at what moment. So um, that is one thing I do like about Omax. Uh, you know, Exum got significant minutes, and he had eight points. He was actually really good. He he plays hard. He does. Um, you just he had six assists too, which is crazy. One of the things with Exum is he is actually a pretty decent defender. He is still pretty athletic. He's not as athletic as he used to be, but he is still pretty athletic. And so he can he can sort of surprise you when he's de- when you know he's defending you because he he does have the ability to sort of stay in front of you and you know make you take a jump shot stuff like that but you know he did get a lot of minutes and Seth Curry actually got in the game too and he was put out, he was out there with when they had to put Luka back in the game and he he hit a big three pointer um and he also got fouled on a three and he got three free throws he only made two of them but you know he he got out there and hit some shots when um when they had to come back um, it was nice to see him get some time. I, you know, one of the things about Curry is, I, I'm not sure why he fell out of the rotation. My guess is because you are getting really good play. You're getting better and better play from Derek Jones Jr. And Hardy is still such a talent that you've got to play the guy. I, I know he makes his mistakes. You know, he had a couple turnovers. I know he does make those mistakes, but. He's just too talented to sit on the bench. You've you got to have the talent that he brings. And while we all know Seth Curry's a better shooter than Hardy, it's not like Hardy's a scrub when it comes to shooting. You know, he can shoot the three-pointer. But one of the things he can do is, man, that first step, he can blow by guys, and he can force the big to have to move over and, and protect the rim, right? And so it, it his ability to get to the rim is up there with anyone and and you need that on this team and so i'm glad to see you know hardy getting these minutes the first couple games you know he didn't get minutes and it's really nice to see him getting these minutes so um overall though it was it was a fun game to watch i was really happy that they came out and won um you know i was worried like that the pregame show that Damaris guy he he had a lot to say about James Harden and I'm glad the the Mavs players were order, sort of able to back it up because you know you go out there and you do this whole spiel about James Harden you know and then go out there and he smokes you then you sort of have to uh, you're gonna have to take your lumps on that one but the fact that you know he went he made his comments about Harden and then Dallas went out there and basically eviscerated that first team like they did. You know, because if you, you look at the plus minuses for them, you know, like I said, Russell Westbrook, he was a minus 26. Harden was a minus 6. Kawhi was a minus 8. Paul George was a minus 14. Terrence Mann was a minus 10. PJ was a minus 20. And Powell was a minus 35. These are those, those were the guys who, you know, Zubats was a plus 1. But those are the main bench guys, right? Those are the main rotation guys. Bones Highland was the only other one in the like sort of the main rotation that was a plus. He was a plus eight, and a lot of that had to do with he was in there with the garbage time guys who were uh, making a comeback. 
And so, um, he was, you know, obviously his number looks a little bit better. But the main players for the Clippers, they're all minuses. And their offense, it just looks sluggish. There's no, even though what's funny is they have two point guards now, but I feel like they have no point guards. Both guys are sort of, they're way past their prime. And, you know, Westbrook, one of the things I will say about Westbrook is he still tries really hard. He can't shoot. And he's still so athletic. It's incredible. Especially at his age. I think they said he was 35. He's still so incredibly athletic for his age. It's, it's sort of an anomaly when you have guards like that small um, stay athletic. I mean, look at, what's his name? Dirk Rose, right? Dirk Rose can't even find the floor. And when he does, he just looks like a below-average role player. So, you know, Russell Westbrook, he, he's out there and he's trying hard. And while it ain't pretty, I feel like he's the only one out there who's really trying to and taking this serious. P.J. Tucker's another guy who really plays hard. Um, he's sort of got the job of defending the other team's best player a lot of times. And... He's another guy who's getting up there in age. Um, Norman Powell. I like Norman Powell. But he's he's just not really done anything this year. This is a team that they might miss the playoffs. I It wouldn't shock me. Um, you know, if you look at the standings right now in the West, the Clippers are 3-5. and five. They're sitting in the 11th spot. And when you look at the teams in front of them, I just, you know, I don't know who's falling out, right? Because somebody's got to fall out for the Clippers to move up. So I don't know who that team is. Um, you know, New Orleans, they could have some injuries, and that could be the team. You know, they've lost four in a row. They're the Mavs' next opponent, next two games for the Mavs is against New Orleans. I think they're both on the road. Which is, it's always tough to win both games. That's that's one of the things I, it's tough about these home, home, home games when you play a team twice at home at the same time. Which is funny is the tournament game is the second game. The first game is a regular season game and the second game is the tournament game. I'm not 100% sure why they do it. They're doing it this way and I'll get in that in a minute. But like I said, right now, New Orleans, New Orleans has lost four in a row. They're not really playing good basketball. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Ingram. Now Ingram might go off against Dallas because they might not have anybody to defend him, and they might try to put Tim Hardaway on him and stuff like that. So I'm probably gonna eat my words here, but I'm not a fan of Brandon Ingram. If I were New Orleans, I would see what I could get for him because I think you could get a good return for Ingram, and I think New Orleans would like to do that, but. I think they're nervous about trying to build around Zion because Zion has a hard time staying healthy. Now, Zion's playing, and he's not playing bad. He's playing pretty good. And, you know, it's, you know, with Valanchunas out there, with thankfully we're going to have Lively, which is probably going to be another game where he gets in a little bit of foul trouble because I know that's one of the things New Orleans does is they do throw the ball down low to Valanchunas. So hopefully Lively can try and play a little longer without fouling. In that situation, but uh, you know, 
right now I think CJ McCollum's out. I think Herb Jones. I can't. I don't know if he's playing or not. But New Orleans is another team. They ain't got a point guard. I think Alvarado's their only point guard on the team, and he's not playing. And they just don't look like it. Just doesn't. You know, like I don't understand why people. And, and I guess I do understand because every guy's every player has haters, right? Luca does such a good job in get his, getting his teammates involved, and so does Kyrie. Kyrie does a bang up job, and you know Dante Exum does too. New Orleans could really use a guy like Exum on their team because they need somebody who can get these players involved. New Orleans doesn't have that. It's like whoever takes the ball down court, that's the guy who's going to shoot the ball. That's what I feel like when I watch New Orleans. And Phoenix is the same way. Phoenix is 4-5. and five. And when I watch Phoenix, it seems like the guy who's got the ball, when the ball's passed in, that's the guy that's going to shoot it. Now, Phoenix has had some injuries, so they haven't really had a full team. You know, if Durant's, funny enough, the only one who's playing all the games, Bill and Booker's missing. But when I watch Phoenix, they don't have a point guard. They don't have anybody initiating the offense. And when people say Luka makes his team worse, it's like, God, you don't watch basketball. You're, you just don't understand basketball. You just think a guy, oh, he's you know, he's taking 15 shots. Well, yeah, he's the best player on the team. He needs all those. He needs more shots, right? Your best player's always taking your most shots. And so, you know, when you watch, you watch a team like New Orleans and Phoenix, and they don't have point guards. And you'll see, like, they struggle to, the ball doesn't move a lot. And it's just a lot of one-on-one and a lot of standing around. So, uh, you know, I watched Phoenix and the Lakers last night. Phoenix had the lead for a lot of the game, but the Lakers took the lead, and they never looked back. And, you know, Lakers are another team that sort of started off slow. You know, they're 4-5. and Um, They... They went out and they got a bunch of sort of journeyman type players. You know, your Cam Reddishes, your Christian Woods, um, Torian Prince, guys like that. And while they might be decent players, I just don't think they're players you can rely on to win basketball games. And they're really leaning heavily on LeBron and Davis. And, you know, when those two guys play, you're going to get a tough game because those two guys are really good. But when those one of those guys is out, it's really tough for the Lakers to win. Davis has already missed some games. So it's I don't know. I Lakers, they might not be as good as people thought. You know, you're seeing Christian Wood out there in crunch time and I don't have anything against Christian Wood. He was better than Powell in my opinion. And I know a lot of people don't like Wood, so they don't like saying that. They don't like admitting it. But you can tell me Christian Wood's not a good defender. Well, guess what? Neither is Powell. But, you know, Christian Wood had the ability to get a rebound. And he had the ability to box guys out. So, um, But when you're relying on guys like Cam Reddish and Christian Wood and Torian Prince to win ball games, you're, just, you're not going to be that successful. I, I like those players, but they're just they're not guys you can rely on. So... Um, as far as like the other guy teams in the West, like Denver's of course first place. I think they're going to remain there all season, unless you know. I do know Murray's going to miss some games with an injury, 
Um, but they still have Jokic. You know, Minnesota's playing really good. Uh, Mavericks are seven and two. It's in the number two spot, but Minnesota's six and two in the number three spot. Minnesota's winning these basketball games for the defense. Minnesota's actually got a really good defense, and you know they they be they're they were the first team to beat Boston. The Sixers beat Boston afterwards, but Minnesota beat Boston, and you know they have Rudy Gobert. In the middle, and as much as people don't like him, he's still a really good paint protector. He's still a good rebounder, and he he does everything we want Lively to do, right? He's just paid a lot of money, but he wins Defensive Player of the Year. So if if you're one of those who believes in the defensive superstar, I believe in the defensive superstar. Like you know, like Tyson Chandler, you know, the Dallas let Tyson Chandler go after the. 2011 championship because they didn't feel like he deserved star type money. Well, I'm sorry, but Chandler's a defensive superstar. He won defensive player of the year the very next year. And you let that walk. And stuff like that just it, it, tell, it just frustrates me because it makes me think you don't know what you're doing. And it frustrates me. You know, it was Mark Cuban's the one that wanted to let him walk. He didn't want to pay him. He wanted Dwight Howard for whatever reason. And I, I think it was that's just one of those mistakes that you, you got to keep Mark Cuban out of the front office. Just have him write the checks. But you know Rudy Gobert, he is a defensive s- superstar. He's in the contention for Defensive Player of the Year every year. He does have the ability to make a difference, and they're also getting it on the perimeter with McDaniel's and Anthony Edwards. So they're a tough team to play. Dallas struggles with teams with big wings because they counter with small ones and it just doesn't work because those big wings are just as athletic as those small ones except they're bigger and this it's just one of those games where kids gonna play small put Dwight Powell at center and Dallas is just gonna get eviscerated and I don't know if it's something he's gonna learn and then he calls the team soft afterwards even though he's the one that played small I whatever I'm not gonna get into it again but you know, Minnesota's a bad matchup for Dallas because Dallas, they like to, they'll put Tim Hardaway out there to defend Anthony Edwards, and it's it'll just look bad. So, Golden State's another team that's doing well. They're six and three. Um, they're in the fourth spot. They are who they are. I think, you know, their their success is going to depend on how many games I think Steph Curry plays. Um, they do need to get something out of Wiggins and Clay Thompson. Both guys are just so-so. Um, oh, look, and Minnesota's won five in a row also, by the way. Um, so that's something. Uh, but Golden State, you know, like I said, they're only going to go as far as Steph Curry can take them at the end of the day. And if Wiggins can go back to the Wiggins when they, the year they won the championship, Golden State could be better. But as long as he's the Wiggins that we all know, and Thompson's still a little, just not the same guy. I don't know. We'll have to see where that team goes. But they're going to be there. They're going to be in the mix. Um, I do think they'll they'll finish in the top four at, at some position, but they'll be in that top four. The surprise team here is Houston. Um, they're five and three. They've won five in a row. You know, I said when I did my predictions at the beginning of the year. I had Houston in the bottom 10, but I said if there was a team I thought could make the playoffs that would come out of left field, 
and surprise everybody, it was going to be Houston because I thought Houston not only did a good job bringing in adults to acclimate with the young players, but they got a really good coach. I'm jealous of the coach they got. Um, I think Mavs could probably win a championship if Udoka were the coach. Um, but I, I just they lost their first three, and it seems like they figured it out, and they've won the last five. They blew out the Lakers. You know, Shingun has grown two inches since he was drafted, and that's one of those I, I can't believe Oklahoma City passed on him. They traded him on draft night to Houston for just more draft picks. I thought that was a bad trade at the time. You could have Shin Kuhn playing next to Chet right now, but uh, because you were going to get the second draft pick regardless if Shin Kuhn played or not. So I, the fact that they sort of just passed on him, I, it was just intriguing to me because they could really use him right now. And I think he's been fantastic. Um, Van Vliet was a really good pickup. Um, you know, Idoka shut down the idea of James Harden. He wanted no part of James Harden. You got to listen to a guy like Udoka who has who knows what he's talking about. You know, he took the Celtics to the finals. They didn't win, but he still took them there. And you know, when if Udoka is like, I don't want any James Harden, and he signed off on Van Vliet, and it's paying off because Van Vliet had to defend back when you know in Toronto. You know, that was one of the things they did well when they won the title. Is They defended. You know, he backed up Lowry. Um, so Van Vliet knows what it takes to win. Uh, they brought in Dylan Brooks. I know there's a lot of people who don't like Dylan Brooks, but it's, his, it's more because of his mouth and less because of his play. He is a good player. I don't care what anybody says. He's a good player. He's a really good defender. Um, Jalen Green... We all know he could score. It's just could there could you bring in someone who could teach him how to play basketball? And I think that's what you're getting out of Udoka is Jalen Green's learning how to play basketball. And that's probably best case. So this is probably gonna turn his career around. And it's I, I think like I said, I think it was a fantastic hiring to hire Udoka. And I think it's gonna do wonders for Jalen Green. Um and then Jabari Smith, he's the other starter who had a rough start to his rookie season, but he's really sort of turned it around. You know, he played in the summer league, and people asked him why he was in the summer league, and his answer I thought was fantastic. He's He said, look, we weren't that good last year. I can't just assume since I was the second pick or third pick or whatever that, you know, oh, I don't need any work. No, I'm coming out here and I'm going to work. And he was really good in the summer league. He's been really good. Um this season and it's just worked out for him. Houston's one big problem I, I feel is their depth. Once they go to their bench, it gets real thin. Uh, but once, you know, if they can get in the playoffs, once the playoff time rolls around, you don't play a deep bench, right? You, you play like an eight man rotation. And I, I think that will work well for Houston. So um, I, I think they've, I, like I said, I, I'm jealous of the coach they got and, I think they make the playoffs. After what I've seen, I think they can get in. So, especially with what I've seen from some other teams. So, you know, Oklahoma City, they're a good team. Um, you know, they're 5 and 4 right now. I watched the game last night with them against Sacramento. That was a pretty even game. Sacramento didn't have De'Aaron Fox. 
Um, Oklahoma City, they, I think they do rely a little on one guy. You know, Gilgis Alexander, he's he's fantastic. But you know, if his shots not falling, then the team is probably going to struggle. Um, I like Dort a lot. I wish there was a way we could get Dort on the Mavs. Um, <laughs> that's not a way, but I really like Dort. Just offensively, defensively. I like Chet, um, but Chet is a rookie. Watching that game, he does make rookie mistakes. But one thing I will say about Chet is he does challenge everything at the rim, and you just got to commend him for that. He's going to get dunked on, but somebody like me, I, I don't mind like if my player gets dunked on because I know he's challenging shots. You know what's one of the things Maxie used to do? Um, I think Maxie's lost his some athleticism for whatever reason. But one of the things Maxie would do is he would challenge everything at the rim, and so you're going to see highlights of him getting dunked on. But you know what? He challenges everything at the rim. He's going to get blocks, and Chet gets blocks. You know, Giannis, Gobert, Jared Allen. They all challenge at the rim, so you're gonna find those guys getting dunked on. But they challenge at the rim, and that's you can't ask for more. I I like to see that. So, um, but again, you're relying on Chet Holmgren, this rookie, to be a big part of your your team. And I I don't know. I think they end up in the play-in. I do think some teams will pass them uh, that are below them. Uh, probably Phoenix, if I were gonna guess, give you one guess who would pass. Oklahoma City would be Phoenix. I think once Booker comes back, they'll be better. They'll score a lot of points in the regular season. I think Phoenix's issue is going to be when the playoffs come along. Sacramento, like I said, they've been without Fox um, a couple games. He got injured. But one of the things, uh, you know, Sacramento, they weren't playing exactly great when he was there. They've actually won two in a row, and he hadn't played the last few games. But one of the things that I said about Sacramento the start of this year, the reason I had them sort of regressing is there were some clutch stats that they had last year that were a little crazy. And I just, for whatever reason, those stats, they just don't translate year to year. You know, you'll have one really good clutch year, but the next year it might not be so good. And so all of a sudden, those wins that you got last year, they're now losses. And you find yourself four and four. And, you know, I still think they're a good team. I still think they'll be in the top ten, but I just don't think they'll be as high as they were last year. You know, the Lakers, I talked about them. They're 4-5. and five. I just think they're an average team. Phoenix, they're 4-5. and five. Like I said, once Booker gets back, they'll put some wins together because I do think they're a regular season team. And New Orleans, they're, they're the ones, like I said, they're Dallas's next opponent. And, I, you know, it'd be nice to see them Dallas win the next two against them. But I, I think New Orleans will at least win one of them because it is hard to win both games back-to-back on the road. So... Um, you know, the Clippers, I, I don't know, man. Like I said, it, they're going to have to figure something out. They traded away their depth for James Harden, and they got James Harden. They've lost four in a row. And I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say about them. We'll see how it goes. Maybe Dallas can put together a trade package for Kawhi. Um, Portland is Portland. I mean, I expected them to be in the bottom. Um, I, I more or less expected them to be the second worst. Um, I had San Antonio the worst. They started off pretty strong, but they've lost four in a row. Uh, one of the things that's annoying about watching San Antonio is I feel like they don't, their teammates of Wimby, they don't look for Wimby on the offensive end. I think they need to look for him more. 
he clearly looks like their best player. And I don't know. He needs. He does need to learn the NBA. He is a rookie. There's going to be a learning curve, but I think the play his play teammates need to look for him more. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's a lot of lobs that he could be getting that they're just not. They just don't trust themselves in the making the pass. I don't know. But San Antonio, I just they're still gonna. I, I they might still finish at the bottom. Um, I I don't know. It might be Portland. It's just going to be one of those two. Uh, maybe Utah. I, one of the things I'm curious about Utah is if they hold on to John Collins. If I were Utah, I would wait till the trade deadline. I know there's going to be a team out there that's desperate to upgrade. It might even be like the Knicks. Even if Brooklyn, they go the wrong way and they think they can compete and they try to add, I think you'll be able I think John Collins will be traded. I don't know to who, but I think John Collins will be traded. Um, I just don't. I don't see him in that on that team long term. I think they did that to sort of move on from him. Sort of like Golden State brought in D'Angelo Russell just so they could find a another player that they could trade him for. And I, I think Utah did the same thing with Collins. I think they brought in Collins so that they could figure out what they could get for him when, you know, next trade deadline. Because I think somebody will be desperate enough. And of course Memphis is last. They finally got a win. They beat Portland. It was one of those home and home back to backs where they were, or it was back to back where both teams where they played in the same city. So both were home games for Portland. Portland won the first one. Memphis won the second one. And it's their only win. They're not a good team. They can't rebound. Steven Adams ain't coming back. Jai ain't coming back till game 26. It's going to be a long season for them. I don't. I don't know what they do. They could just stand pat. I don't foresee them needing to make any trades. They just need to get healthy and their guys back on the floor. Uh, they probably just need, need to play this year out. You know, maybe maybe you could trade Marcus Smart, get something for him, but you're going to want him next year, so you might as well just keep him. So um, as far as the East goes, I don't want to spend too much time on the East, but, you know, Boston did lose two in a row, but then they got to play Brooklyn. Brooklyn's fallen to 10th. I just don't think they're that good. They need to start selling. Phillies won seven in a row. They lost the first game, but they've not lost since. They did beat Boston. You know, Boston's sitting at second. Indiana sitting at third. I do think that's sort of a, not a phony team, but I, I think they'll fall. Um, Atlanta, I don't know. Atlanta, I watch Atlanta, and they look awful, but they figure out how to win. They figured out a, how to beat, uh, what was it, Orlando. Orlando had them dead to rights, and they blew it. That was more for me. Orlando just didn't know how to win. The one thing advantage Atlanta has is I think the East is weaker than it was last year, and Atlanta does have a lot of continuity. They have a lot of the same guys, and I just think you know at this rate, Atlanta's probably going to be a top 16. I just don't think they'll do anything when the playoffs roll around. Milwaukee... They still, I, I, that Drew Holiday trade was terrible for them. They should have just kept Drew and kept going. Um, they blamed their coach for them losing, but they traded Drew Holiday. I, I just thought that was a bad idea. You should have at least kept Bud if, they, if and get Damian Lillard. Don't blame Bud and Drew because now you're worse than you were last year. They can't defend the perimeter. The Knicks, they're just an average team. The Heat are working their way back up the standings. They're, they've won three in a row. They're four and four. Toronto's four and four. I just don't think they're that good. 
I just think Dallas is a bad matchup for them. So, of course, they beat Dallas. I think they end up playing, uh, I think they play Boston next. So, Boston's a bigger team. You'll see, you know, probably Toronto get blown out. The Magic, I think, are a good team. They're just young and inexperienced. They're a fun team to watch. I think they'll still sneak into the playoff or the play-in at least. Like I said, the Nets, I just don't think they're that good. I think they're going to fall out. I think they're going to have to start selling. They're going to have to rebuild. They're going to have to do what Washington's doing. Just sell, sell, sell. Be terrible and build your team through the draft. Um, Charlotte's not a bad team. They're just not winning. Cleveland's the same way. I, I don't think Cleveland's a bad team. They're just not winning. They're 3-5. and five. I, I don't know what the deal is with them. Chicago, I knew they were going to be bad. They're bad. They're 3-6. and six. They need to sell, sell, sell. Um, at least DeRozan. Um, I don't think anybody's going to want Vooch. Uh, maybe Oklahoma City could use him. That would be a good pickup for them, in all honesty. Uh, especially if you could get away with just sending draft picks. I think Oklahoma City has the cap space to absorb that contract. So I think if they were just willing to give up draft picks and bring in Vooch, I think that would improve their team. He's not great defensively, but, man, the guy can rebound. And he can get the ball uh, down low. I think Gilgis Alexander and Giddy are better point guards than Zach Levine and Kobe White. And I think Vooch, if 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 you're gonna move on Vooch, I, I think you call it I think Oklahoma City makes a phone call. I think that makes them a better team. Um I know there'll probably be people that disagree with me, because like I said, Vooch does have his limitations, but I think Oklahoma City needs some bigger players. I think they have one too many wings that are just not big. And they're playing one too many smaller guys at center. And I think they could put I think Vooch is one of the few guys you could put next to Chet because Vooch can hit an outside shot, so can Chet. And I think that tandem would work great. I think Chet could make up for Vooch's sort of defensive deficiencies. And I think Vooch could make up for the team's lack of like size in the middle. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I think that would be a good pickup for them. I think Chicago needs to sell. Washington wants to be bad. They are bad. Detroit, it's a Fun team to watch, but they just can't win games. They've lost seven in a row, but they're a good team. It's so it's sad watching them because they have such they have such a lot of talent on the floor, and they just can't win basketball games. So um, they'll probably finish finish at the bottom. They'll get another good draft pick and just keep building. I don't think they have the right coach, but whatever. Um, as far as the tournament goes, if I could change one thing about the two things about the tournament. First thing I would change is the schedule. When they announced this in-season tournament, I assumed every game, they were going to start at one point, and every game was going to be a tournament game, and then they were going to have the final game with a winner, and then they were going to go back to the regular season schedule. But that's, that's not how they're doing it. You know, Dallas played Denver, and then they played three games. And they played the Clippers, and then they're going to play a game against... New Orleans, and then the second game against New Orleans, all of a sudden that's a tournament game. And so it's like you, you're you just throwing these tournament games in, you're sprinkling it in into your regular season. And that doesn't add, for me as a fan, any sort of, I don't know, it doesn't add any more, any different than just a regular season game. And I feel like 
I'd be willing to bet the players are the same way. You know, one of the things is point differential they're using for tiebreakers. Well, these teams at the end of games, they're just dribbling it out. They're not playing till the end of the buzzer. They're basically wasting the last minute. They're not worried about point. They're just they're still playing respectful. And so I think if you were to not sprinkle the regular season games in between and play them all at once, you're more likely for teams to more understand the point differential aspect of it. And they're like, we need to win these games, right? We need to score points. And I think that's a better way to do it. I think you play your tournament games all at once in one bundle. And don't worry about who plays who. Worry, you know, play your play your schedule, put your schedule together, and then play your tournament games separate. And don't worry about, oh, well, they played this team three times. Because another thing I would change would be get rid of the East-West. We already have an East-West competition. It's the playoffs. So why are we doing it again? Get rid of East-West. Jumble every team in this, regardless of where they, you know, East-West. Put every team just in a pile. Draw five random teams. Five, 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 five. And you're playing those five teams. Regardless, east or west. And, like I said, play them all at the same time. And you know what? If a team plays an Eastern Conference team twice or three times instead of twice, so be it. That's not You shouldn't be worried about number of times you play a, an Eastern Conference team if you're serious about making this tournament something, right? The tournament should be separate from the regular season. It shouldn't be sprinkled in the regular season. That's just the way I feel about it. I think the tournament would be better if they did that. And maybe that's just my opinion. Um, nobody else will hear it. Just me and um, and the, my listeners, obviously. But, you know, Adam, Adam Silver's not listening. So I just wish they would do that. I think it would make it better. Um, you know, it would be neat if, you know, your final, your tournament final game was, you know, Denver-Golden State or Boston-Philadelphia, right? Don't make East and West. We already have that. Let's make a tournament of the 30 teams. That's it. Tournament of 30. Don't advertise them as a tournament of 30, and you're like, well, really, it's a tournament of 15 and 15, and then we get a winner out of those because that's what it is. It's a tournament of 15 and 15. So I I would – because that's what it is in the playoffs. It's a tournament of eight against eight, and then you have the two winners. Be a real tournament of 30. Mix all the teams together. And get rid of East and West. And play them all at once. When you start, when Dallas played Denver, the next game should have been against the Clippers. The next game be against New Orleans. The next game be against Houston. The next game be against... That's it. That's their four four teams they play. And then go into your knockout round. And then you move on, you know. And then once you have the winner, go back to your regular schedule. Your regular season schedule. So that's just the way I see it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Like I said, the Mavs do play New Orleans the next two games. Hopefully they can get wins in both of them. Um, New Orleans is a struggling team right now, and I hope Dallas can take advantage of that and get a couple wins on the road. So, um, you know, thankfully we have Lively. I'd like to get Rashawn Holmes minutes. And those are my Christmas wishes. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and end it there. And if you could, rate and review. Um, 
the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast. Really appreciate it. Until next time, we'll see you later.